you know, like everybody, we bought new sinks and now the school has so many hand washing stations and everything is touchless and we've done all this and we've got the right air filtration, but it still just doesn't feel safe enough to be inside at this point. And, um, and at one point in the summer when we were talking about what to do, um, I don't even remember the exact moment, but at some point it was just like, what about trying to do some outdoor stuff? What about outdoor air? You're listening to The Breakdown with me, Chris Clearfield. The Breakdown is a podcast where we connect with business owners and experts to hear their perspectives on this crazy, complex world. I'm your host and fellow learner, and I'm glad you're here. This week on the podcast, I speak with Jim Riley, the head of instruction at the University Cooperative School, a K-5 through school here in Seattle. I wanted to speak with Jim because I'm fascinated with how organizations respond to changing conditions, adapt to the way the world is changing. And many of us have noticed that we are in the midst of a massive disruption caused by the spread of COVID-19. When COVID-19 arrived in Seattle last spring, the University Cooperative School switched from in-person classes to online learning. Now, Jim has taught at the school for over 20 years. And he soon noticed that his students were missing out on a couple of key elements of elementary school, like collaborating on hands-on projects and learning how to resolve conflicts with friends. To remedy this, the school decided to hold the fall semester entirely outdoors in Seattle's public parks. Making the shift to outdoor school was not easy. The logistics of teaching kids safely outdoors in rain or shine or snow or thunderstorms during a pandemic are dizzyingly complex and it requires a lot of grunt work on the parts of teachers and parents. That said, as I talked to Jim, it became evident that one of the things that he saw was that the rewards from the shift from indoor school to outdoor learning, they were multifaceted and manifold, both for the kids and for the teachers and parents. Jim got me thinking about the ways that the pandemic has required all of us to shift how we do our work. And Nobody asked for this pandemic. None of us showed up and and said that we wanted it. But my conversation with Jim reminded me that some of the shifts can produce unexpected, I don't want to say silver linings exactly, but ways of learning about the world and how we operate in it that without the pandemic, we may never have come across. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jim. And thanks for listening to The Breakdown. Hi, I'm Jim Riley, and um, I'm Director of Education at University Cooperative School. And you've been there for for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, 21 years. Uh, And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Jim, because I thought it would be really interesting to just hear a little bit about the story of how you guys switched from not, I don't want to say a traditional school because you're definitely not a traditional school, but switched from whatever you were in, in, you know, the before COVID times to now what you've been doing is, is running, you know, created kind of from the ground up this, this hybrid, you know, outdoor school, the kids are outside most of the time. And then there's also some instruction done by zoom. Um, And I wonder if you could just start by saying a little bit about kind of the like what the values of the school have, have sort of been, you know, even before, even before COVID. Right. Well, I think the values of the school, the mission of the school are right in with what we always say at the beginning, that childhood is a journey, not a race. And I I think that is a huge part of the value of the school. Um, We don't want to, we don't want kids to have to race. And I feel like childhood is so important and so precious. And, you know, there's so much stress in our world these days of get your kids on the best soccer team or be in the best music club or whatever it happens to be. But I, I think that kids need time to just be kids and to play and to be playful. And that's a big part of the mission of the school. I would say the focus of the school is kind of a combination of outdoor ed, you know, teaching kids the, the, um, how to think, how to be creative, how to work together, 
We talk about the arts a lot. That is a huge part of our mission as well. So outdoor ed, the arts and play and letting kids be kids and to be themselves and to see themselves um, as appreciated for who they are and to be given an avenue where they could, they can safely take on some different roles if they want to and try it out, but to be encouraged to just, you know, really be who they are. That's, that's the underlying thing. I mean, my feeling is it's grade school and kids, you know, they, they should get the basics and they should learn how to work together and they should learn how to get along, you know, and they should learn how to be thoughtful and, and be able to deal with, um, you know, conflict in a way that is safe and somebody could help them kind of navigate through it in a way and how to say you're sorry and how to make up and how to still be friends and, you know, those sort of things. That's what they should be learning in grade school. I feel that's so important. It's just incredible life skills. And um, yeah, that's kind of what, what our, I think our general mission is. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, with that, there's a way that, you, you know, if it's, it's obviously the only option in some contexts and, and at some times, but you know, there's a way in which kind of remote learning through Zoom or, or whatever platform um, just doesn't, just lacks so much of that. It's so, you know, even if kids are working in small groups, I mean, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to have a conflict over Zoom. It's hard to work oh, things out in the same way. Right. You don't, you could just turn off your camera, right? right. <laughs> if you're having a tough time, you could turn off your camera and not deal with it. I mean, um, it's, it's a whole different world. Like, in March, when COVID first hit, you know, we went online like most other schools. And, um, and the teachers, I think, did a really incredible job and put together a really good program. But the more we talked about it, the more we felt still, you still cannot connect in the same way, um, especially with kids. They, they need that time. They need that interaction. They need that play. They need that playfulness. They need to be able to get up and run around, you know, and then to come back and that movement. And, um, and so we were, you know, really torn as to how to do it. And we, you know, like everybody, we bought new sinks and now the school has so many hand washing stations and everything is touchless and we've done all this and we've got the right air filtration, but it still just doesn't feel safe enough to be inside at this point. And, um, and at one point in the summer when we were talking about what to do, um, I don't remember the exact moment, but at some point I was just like, what about trying to do some outdoor stuff? What about outdoor ed? You know, that's a huge part of our value. And, you know, I believe we could take this on. And at that point, we thought it would be for six weeks. So for the first six weeks, until this pandemic thing is kind of over, and we got to, you know, <laughs> we'll be moving on. And, and then we could slowly start moving back into school and play it by ear. And that's what we've done. And um, I think everyone um, has really enjoyed it and has really learned a ton with being outdoors, kind of, you know, surviving out there in some weather, thriving in other wet weather. I mean, there's been just some magic moments with the kids and playful times and just in the park and doing things and having the fifth graders do a poetry festival under the bridge and you could hear the cars going by and people walking by would just stop and listen. And I mean, there's been some really cool, cool things that have happened. And then you walk down to where the pre-K through second grade is and they're running through the streams barefoot and when it's raining and you're like, wow, this is pretty dang awesome. Um, but you know, it's a challenge too. Uh, it's right. filling up your car every day, lugging every single thing that you want to your spot. Each, car, each teacher has a wagon or two that they also pull storing stuff in your cars. I have all the fifth graders chairs in the back of my trunk right now. So. Right. Because it, it, you know, to be clear for, for people to have the vision of this, it's like, there's, 
you guys don't have there's the school does not have a permanent outdoor space. I mean, we no, you, we're in a public in, park in the public we're, park. Yeah, we're in Cowan and Ravenna parks, those two parks that interconnect, you know, right at the um, north end of the U district, right? And, and we're on the Ave, on the upper part of the Ave is where the school is on 56th and University. And then we use the park and it's the park that we've always used for recess, but there isn't shelters. No. Um, we have pop-up bathrooms that we need to clean up and take care of and dispose of properly. We have to, everything, every day we reset up our space and we completely take it down. And it's kind of a first come first serve. Like, you know, it is a public park in 2020. And like today we went down to where we usually quite often have our classroom and there was a couple tents of people that had spent. So we, we had to pivot and move. And that's just kind of part of how it is. Yeah. And just to give people who, who, you know, aren't from Seattle, because I, I, I lived in New York City for a long time. And in New York City, a park, other than, you know, Central Park or the big park, a park is like, it's a small thing. I mean, but these are, these are big. These are, you know, kind of, they feel more like a forest in, in some ways, you know, there's lots of trees and there's tall beautiful. trees. We've watched the eagles come through. We've had uh, the second grade classroom for a long time continued to have the same owl come and sit on the branch during their <laughs> during their lessons. Um, we've, you know, there's just been a lot at one point. I think one of the one really cool moment, the crows were just going nuts, absolutely nuts. And and I could tell I was trying to teach in math and the fifth graders were like kind of looking all over the place and more and mo more crows kept coming. And I was like, all right, guys, we, let's go figure out what it is. Something's happening, but we got to do it quietly. We got to go through the woods and see what, see what's going on. And sure enough, there's a big owl that we find and the wolves are, I mean, the wolves, the uh, crows are just coming and harassing it. And it's just sitting there stoic as they're just flying right in front of it, screaming, yelling at it. And then finally, so we climb up the embankment. So we're looking down at it and it just takes off and flies and the crows are coming at it. And we watched it just maneuver in between all these branches from above and just lose all the crows and just take off. And then we lost, but it was really cool. And all of us were just like, whoa, you know, so you have that. You have, you know, like many city parks and, you know, especially on the West coast these days, there's. You know, there's a decent amount of homeless people and that's part of the situation and you have joggers and you have people walking through and they're walking right through the classroom area sometime and there's frisbees flying by when it was warmer and you know it's just and we're teaching kind of right in the middle of it just setting up our classroom our we don't call them classrooms because we're not allowed to have classrooms in the park our outdoor learning spaces and um and we just come and set them up yeah. And, and, you know, there, there's a, there's so much in here and you, you kind of have alluded to some of it in terms of the infrastructure, you know, the wagons, the, 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 the toilets that get set up and broken down. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you get from that moment over the summer where it was like, Hey, maybe we should do outdoor school for a little while. And then I suspect in some ways that seemed like a relatively simple proposition, but it right. turns out to be just incredibly complicated, right? I mean, it's just so many moving pieces. So, so you know, so who, who was involved? How did that, you know, how did that happen? How did different groups contribute? Like what, what, were, the, what were the things that had to come together to, to make this a reality? Well, the teachers, the teachers really rallied. And we have such an incredible supportive parent community as well. Yeah. But the teachers rallied. They decided, yes, we're going to do it. They went to the park. They were a little apprehensive. We talked through a lot of different things. We talked through a lot of safety protocols. We chose our, you know, the K2, the preschool through second grade chose this beautiful place in Ravenna Park and the third, fourth, and fifth. We wanted it so that each pod, because our, we're set up as a 
pre-K to second grade pod and a third through fifth grade pod were close together. So even though the kids that usually, because we do some multi-age stuff, a decent amount in a typical year, and they're separated now because we don't interact, they're in their pod and each classroom has a teacher and an assistant teacher and they're the only ones with the kids and then parents will come and help set things up, take things down, maybe take a small group. But if even if parents have two kids, they only choose one kid for half of the year that they're gonna be with that particular pod because we're trying to keep the groups really isolated, right? But we also want them to see each other and to wave to each other. And we have little mailboxes where they could drop each other notes and things like that from class to class. Um, but we just decided, let's just do it. And, and then an energy just happened. It was pretty organic, really. It was just like, wow, we could do this and let's order these wagons. And, um, what sort of things can we do outside and how could we bring in science and how could we use the, the fall, you know, and re so all the kids could choose a tree that they are drawing and, you know, trying to measure the height of and watching the leaves colors change on that tree day, you know, we would check it twice a week and go and sit by that tree and there could be some writing under that tree and how, how to just integrate everything into what we're doing in the park experience. And, and, and I think it just kind of snowballed into an energy like, wow, we could really do this. This could really be fun. And then it rained really hard and we have no shelters. <laughs> and then <laughs> the teachers, rightfully so, were like, this is really hard. And then we're like, okay, we need to figure this out. And some people are now teaching under the bridge on rainy days. Other people have different groups of parents that are coming and helping them set up however they have their particular place tarped. Some have pop-up little areas, but the, you need a lot of pop-ups, even if you have 15 kids in your class, because you need to keep them six feet apart. When they eat, they need to be 10 feet apart because they take off their masks. You know, we, we have built-in mass breaks where they can separate out and take them, you know, breathe a little bit and put them back on. But, you know, there's, we've really worked on different routines and things. And the kids have been remarkable. That's what's been so inspiring. Yeah. They have just taken to it and have just been happy and the laughter and the playfulness and the willingness to work, even when it's cold and their fingers are cold. And now they all have little hand warmers and they put them in their pocket and they take them out and they rub their hands together. And then they start doing some of their math and they've just been, they've been res incredibly resilient. It's been really fun. I mean, and I, and I think, you know, to go back to what you talked about as the, the kind of core mission of the school, like the, the, the gift they're, they're getting is the ability to just show up and be kids, right? And yeah. just show up. Right. I, I hope so. And I, I think so. I think that's what's really happening. I have to say, because the kids, you know, they went to Zoom and we did some really cool projects over Zoom. And I, I thought we did a pretty good job of it. But you could tell they were, I kept talking to the kids, you know, the kids I'd been teaching all year and saying, what's hard? And they're like, I miss my friends. Yeah. And when we, so the kids hadn't seen each other since March, all the way up until September. And most of the kids had not seen any of the other kids. And oh my gosh, their eyes just lit up, you know? And I realized they need this. Yeah this is important. They need this connection. Yeah. Well, and you've touched on this, but the, you know, the other big component of this obviously is the health and safety. And, and, you know, that's always been first and you guys have, you know, quite an elaborate uh, plan for, you know, what to do should somebody, you know, test positive and, in a, a classroom and the community and somebody's family, all, all this stuff. And you, you had, you have this, this team of, of health and safety resources. And I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about sort of how they were, were part of, you know, enabling this whole process. Oh, they were huge. They were a huge part because we have this incredible health and safety team. Um, 
that are comprised of doctors and nurses. And um, one is an infectious disease specialist. One is a heart surgeon. Two were, uh, one works at Children's. Another is an um, emergency doctor. Um, and then a couple other specialty nurses and, and a dentist. And they have really advised us as to what are the protocols? How are the protocols? What, what do we need to do? So the parents fill out every morning and send it to our phone, you know, that they've taken their kid's temperature. Um, they've gone through all the questions about, does your child have a cough? Do they have a sore throat? Do they have a stomach ache? All, all the different protocols. And then when they come to school, we take the kids through the same thing. We do it again when they get out of the car, except for taking their temperature. And, and then they join the class. And we worked hard with the, well, the health and safety worked really hard, really put in a tremendous amount of time and energy as to how to do this, how to create these cohorts, what are the protocols that we wanna do, how to keep the community as safe as possible, what are the numbers that we feel would be reasonable numbers to start to bring some kids back to the building and we have not reached those. And, um, and, and so they've just been super helpful and, and the community has been incredible. If somebody has a sore throat, you know, they need to get a COVID test and send the results of the COVID test to the health and safety team before coming back. Or if they, they choose, which some people, you know, might do to go on a trip, which, uh, you know, might be a trip where there's a, um, a lot of people or to Disneyland, say, or something like that, for example. And then they realize and know that they, they will need to to quarantine from, not a full quarantine, but they can't come back to school for two full weeks, right? And so the 14 days. And so we've been doing a lot of that and the community has been so gracious about it. We do have an online program as well. Uh, we are now, since we're in the middle of winter, we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays online, Thursday is back in the park and then Friday is online and that's just recent that's as of thanksgiving yeah because as the weather's really turned and um it just makes a lot more sense that way yeah well there's something there's just something um i mean you know just physical there's just something physically exhausting about spending so much time. I mean, for the kids to some extent, I'm sure, but for you guys, especially the teachers, right. the staff. Yeah, for us, but I think for the kids too. I mean, it's a lot. They're running, they're going. It's just, they're dealing with the cold because some days have they, you know, it's been Seattle, it's wet and it's raining and they get wet and they make some choices and that's part of being a kid, but they make some choices. I go into the stream, but you go into the stream early, but you're still in school for two more hours. There's a learning that takes place there that, okay, you're warm. And of course we're gonna keep them safe and give them a little blanket and tell them to get under some shelter and things like that. But there's, there's learning that takes place where they get wet like that. And then they have to walk back up to where their classroom is because the streams aren't right next to where the outdoor learning spaces are, right? And it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, you know, you go, you ride your bike down to the lake, you're super excited, you don't have shorts on, you dive in in your jeans, and then you ride your bike home with wet jeans, and you learn something from that. You're like, <laughs> I don't really want to do that again, and, and, you know, and that's okay. That's all part of the learning, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and. And, and you guys, I mean, in addition to sort of as it got colder, you know, shifting the schedule from from the kind of all outside to now having two days, the the Wednesday, Friday from from home. I mean, what what else have you guys learned? What else have you guys changed over, you know, as, as you've just what have you noticed and what have you what have you shifted? Uh, wow, a lot. I think we've realized that classes need to be shorter increments. Kids need to get up and move 
and, and then get back. If they get, you know, if they're cold and they're sitting for too long, learning is just done. So you need to, you, you need to change your routines, change exactly how you're running your classroom to make it work for the kids and the rhythm of, of how their learning takes place is different outdoors than it is inside. And there's a lot more distractions too. And they're wearing a mask all day, you know? And, th right. and that itself, it's harder to hear. So, yes. and it's harder to like read to a large group. So we have little speakers that we attach when we're reading out loud or we, we feel like we really need to project. Uh, for the most part, we don't use them that much, but at times, if there's construction on the house right near where you're <laughs> working, then then you might have to turn it on. I mean, there's just those things. But um, most of, I think, what we've learned is we've gotten really good at setup and takedown of tarps, I'll tell you that. But uh, we've, also, <laughs> we've also learned, uh, I think, really just how fun teaching could be outside you know, even in rougher weather and how resilient the kids are, but that there are different ways that you have to do it. Like I said, shorter increments, shorter, quicker, harder, really meet, then separate out, then come back together. So there are more transitions. So you might not get as much done in a school day that you might do inside the classroom. But I think, I mean, the trade-off is worth it it is worth it. And a, there's a lot of other learning that has taken place. And interestingly, when the, what we have found is the kids, there has been a lot less conflict when the kids have been outside than what tends to happen sometimes because we're, we're a school that does a lot of hands-on learning and a lot of group learning and a lot of sharing of manipulatives and how to deal with, you know, working in, when you're working in small groups, inevitably, and you're eight, inevitably someone's going to do something that might upset you a little bit. And then you react and it's, and sometimes the reactions get bigger and we're, we're good and always are handling that. And that's part of what we do. And we want to teach them how to have the conflicts, but the teachers have been saying, wow, the amount of conflicts in outside education is just, it's, it's less. But I think it's because they have so much space, they could just get up and just take a sp sprint or whatever around. I mean, they have areas that they could go to if they need to, and just to come right back to the classroom. And that makes all the difference. You know, it's been pretty amazing. And I, I feel like there's too an element where, you know, if you're inside a building, then, you know, they're, they're like, the kids are like gas molecules, you know, they're just, there's always some kind of random motion to them. And, and if you're inside of a building trying to line up to go outside yeah, or whatever, like, one. you're inevitably going to bump into another kid, and then they're going to be, you know, ticked off and, and, you know, it can escalate, right. and then you have to intervene. Whereas outside, it's like, there's just, as you said, there's just so much more space. It's, it's just a, um, you yeah, know, I feel like the collisions are just much less yeah. likely. They're they're much less likely. You have a lot more space. It's less likely that you're gonna accidentally knock over somebody's blocks that they've been really focused right. on making the ultimate thing, and then you know you, they just have more space to go do it. And like you said, the molecule thing is an excellent analogy because eventually. It's going to happen inside in a small space in a classroom with that many kids given not typically sitting at desks and doing more worksheets, but working on little projects and working on things and trying to work in a group project to get things together. Things just happen a lot more. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think, you talked, we talked about health and safety. You talked about, you know, wagons and, and parents and, and, and tarps and all this stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that the other thing that's, that's interesting is when I think about just from an, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, there had to be a lot of kind of, you know, like infrastructure in place to be able to do this. I mean, obviously you're inhabiting a park, but you know, 
you had to be the, you had to have the ability to, to, you know, to buy wagons and to figure that out. You had that, you know, some parent went and figured out the bucket, you know, the, 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 oh. what do we call it? The, the, happy the bucket. fun potties, the fun, potty? fun potties. Yes. The fun potties. Well, no, all those things. Well, first, you know, there was the whole dealing with the parks department, which are underfunded and they're, and they're trying to figure it out. And we're trying to get these permits, but you could only get permits if there's a covered structure and you could only get one permit and one, if you do get a, if there is a covered structure and you are able to give a permit, although now during COVID, they're not giving permits to <laughs> permits out. So we learned all those things, right? And we were trying to figure out how to make it work. And, and then, like you said, the, the bathrooms, uh, it, that was probably the first part of the summer. That was the number one email discussion chain. It was just never ending of how we're going to do the bathrooms, how we're going to set it up. What have we tried? And we tried everything with the parks, with the parks department, with trying to get um, porta potties to come into the park and to get the permits for those and for us to take care of them. And there's another permit for that if we're going to take care of them. And then one of the parents came to the idea with the fun potty. And I thought she was completely joking. <laughs> and to, to be honest, I was like, are you kidding? I mean, it's a five gallon bucket with du you, you double bag it and you put some kitty litter and some hay in there. And then that's for that group. And then every day you tie it off and it's double bagged. And there is a certain way that you have to dispose of it every day. And it gets... I go around and I collect, then everyone takes their five gallon bucket of garbage and puts it in this other little bucket that I take and dispose of every day. So all those sort of things are just infrastructure pieces. I mean, that's just a very small example of a lot of the things that we just had to figure out of how could we do this? Because we have 115 kids in the park, you know, every single day showing up at 8.45 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and the, the, the buckets sit in a little tent and they have a little pop-up tent and they're super tricky on how to twist. You have to twist them just right to get them into that circle thing. So you can fit them back into the bags. And then usually if it's wet, which we are in Seattle every day, we take them back and we pop them back up in the school before going home to dry out. Um, yeah, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really, it's quite amazing. Like today, there was a bunch of parents because it was a rainy day and some people were um, setting up their tarps in different ways. And some, you know, each teacher is responsible for figuring out how their classroom is going to be set up with their parents, right? And, and they have a good sense of how they want it. And it's just, everybody's car is crammed full of stuff, just buzzing down. Like I took three trips today to get our classroom right because we did some painting. We did, you know, the kids are working on these big projects. They're going to do a museum, a dark into lightness museum. The third, fourth and fifth graders are doing, well, all the kids are doing light into darkness. But in our class, we're doing a museum and the third, fourth and fifth graders are doing a museum. And so kids are making sculptures, kids are doing art, kids are doing painting, kids are beading and making all kinds of things that represent light into uh, darkness, into kind of resiliency has been our theme and how to, and moving forward and sending positive energy into the world. And so every. But, you know, art itself is a ton of setup at school, but then when you have to bring every single item that you need down to the park and then let everything semi-dry, but then it doesn't get dry, so then you got to figure out different ways to carry it to the car so that the painted rocks don't bang into each other and, you know, just, it's, it's, it's logistics, 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 how to get that stuff done. Yeah. And there's no, like, there's no general solution to it. It's like every no. problem has a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different flavor. Oh yes, absolutely. There's been a lot of things where I've said, Oh, I'm not going to do it that way next time. That's for <laughs> sure. Wow. Right. Yeah. That didn't work so well. 
but um, but it's been fun. It really has been fun. And um, you know, at our teacher meetings, they're on Zoom on Wednesday when we get back a little bit later. We all get on and we share stories of the week and we have highlights of the weeks and things that were struggles. And then we share what's working, what isn't, that sort of thing. Yeah. There is a lot of laughter, a lot of high energy, and just the staff has been amazing. They are amazing. They are, they are amazing. And, you know, some days are tougher, but they just kind of roll with it. And everyone, I think, has figured out, okay, class is kind of going a little bit south. We're going to take a quick little hike. We're going to do this. We're going to play this fun little game. And then we're back, right? And everyone has figured out their the little nuances that makes it work for them. I mean, it would be everyone wishes they had at least some kind of structure so we didn't have to reinvent it every single day. Right. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. I mean, we're kind of an urban school, so... Yeah, and we don't have a playground and we've never had a playground. We're not, we can't open our doors and let the kids run outside. It's a fairly busy street. So we've, we're pretty conditioned to be in, in a park situation. Right. I have, I have kind of two more questions and they're sort of, they're, they're sort of different directions, but, um, you know, one, one thing I'm just curious about if, if, to hear your thoughts on is just, um, you know, the role of privilege in enabling this kind of thing. I mean, you know, where if you looked at the, um, I remember over the summer looking at the the kind of report that the Seattle Public Schools did, and you know, there's just there's a huge percentage of kids that don't have access to internet to do uh, online learning at all in the in the public school system. I know. And that's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. It is an absolute tragedy. And, um, and it's so hard to get to make sure that everyone I mean, I think Seattle schools and the community and the business community has really tried to give computers, but then you also got to get the right connectivity to every single house. And then there are people because of their, you know, their financial situation that it's a lot of people in a small space. And how do you have three or four kids going in school in two rooms? Uh, there's so many things. I mean, it is a privilege without a doubt, and we realize that, that we are able to do this. We, I wish every kid could do this. I wish yeah. everyone could, but I see how difficult it would be with the size of the public schools. I mean, they're just much bigger schools than we are. So there, there, is, there is privilege and we are, um, we're well aware of that. Um, and and we see that, and um, I wish it was different. I, I really want, I, I really believe all kids could have some sort of an experience like this. Um, it's just hard to figure out exactly how to really make this happen on a large scale. Yeah. Especially when our, our parks are pretty overrun and pretty underfunded already, you know? There's, there's those issues as well. I mean, it's, it's also complex. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's not sort of clear, like what the first, like what, what, what the first lever to pull is and any of this stuff. I mean, even thinking about the, the journey that, that you guys have been through, it's like, you know, I, I can't imagine, um, you know, a, the, 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 the fun bucket toilets being, you know, uh, something that a public school would even consider, right? They would just, right. would, I feel like, you know, there'd be objections immediately. Not to say that those aren't, you know, well, well-founded, um, but there's just a different, I mean, the, you're right. The scale and the size just means you can experiment in a much different way. Right. Well, um, I taught in public school for 10 years. Uh, so I have a decent amount of time of teaching in the public school of which I loved and there are some apps. I met so many amazing teachers in the public system. There really are people that are so incredibly dedicated, but it was hard. It was hard to just 
the hoops he had to jump through to go on a field trip was amazing. You know, where at our school, we just take city transportation everywhere in normal times, right? Yeah, right. We, we, we hop on the, the bus, we get on, we take the link to downtown, or we, we do whatever um, is necessary to get the kids, but we take public transportation in, in a public system. They just, they, they don't have the, those type of options and flexibility and, um, you know, they're, they're very worried about liability and I, I, I can't blame them. You know, it, it's just a, it's, it's a hard, a hard thing to, to deal with in that we recognize that, you know, we laugh and say, oh my God, this is crazy. We're doing this in the pouring rain, but we realize that there is a privilege that we are able to do this in the pouring rain and to be wet and to have some days which are a little tough when the wind blows and blows half the papers of what you're doing away and you don't see it coming. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times we've been sitting there and all of a sudden the kids' math sheets are just like, pew, they're gone. And it's like, oh, well, <laughs> well we got to pick that up. We're going to go run those down. They're, they're soaked now. We're not going to use them, but uh, we're not going to litter either. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a privilege to be what we're doing. And I, um, we, we recognize that and feel um, lucky to be in this situation. So as you know, th this too shall pass eventually, this, this moment of COVID, um, do you think, and, and as you said earlier, like already a strong tradition of outdoor education within the school, like, do you see the possibility of, you know, spending the first couple of weeks of, of the fall, you know, of fall 2021, re reproducing this, doing the kind of outdoor, outdoor school? Like, is that, is that something that, that you guys have thought? I mean, obviously it's not now. So if you haven't thought about it, it <laughs> there's enough, to, there's enough on your plate, but I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm curious as you think about the balance yeah. of it. No, um, I've been thinking about that a lot. I, I think that we could be doing, we have been doing a lot of outdoor stuff to begin with relative to, you know, a lot of schools. But I think this experience has really taught us that there's a lot more that we could be doing outside. And some of these outside projects and some of these buildings and some of these paintings and some of the little um, making of their um, sculptures or whatever it is that they're working on in an outdoor space is a completely different experience than doing it indoors. And, um, and there is such a beauty to it. I have totally thought of doing the fall mostly outdoors next year because it is, when we had all those beautiful days, I mean, our biggest problem was people's frisbees coming into the, <laughs> you know, into the learning space. It was just, it was amazing. It was beautiful to be outside. And I, I think the kids really watching the seasons change every day in the park, watching the same trees, talking about the same things, walking the same trails, seeing how it changed from fall to winter has been a really great experience and watching the rise of the creek and the fall of the creek I don't think many of them have given that a lot of consideration and now they're like whoa let's check out the creek it rained so hard last night let's see if it's rough you know those sort of things have been um amazing so yeah and I, we've already started talking the teachers are like you know I'm gonna this has changed me I'm gonna do more outdoor stuff outdoor take risks, not the typical things that I've done outdoors and not the extended recess and not just the play, but do some projects outside and, and spend the whole morning, have the kids get dropped off at the park. And we're already talking about doing that for different times for next year. Yeah. And, and with some of the kids in uh, like, we started doing drop-offs on Thursdays in the fifth grade at different parks throughout the city. So like we wrote poetry 
in the Arboretum. And then we went to the Urban Horticulture Center. And then we just, we had drop off and pick up at different parks throughout the city. And that was magical in and of itself. Yeah. And we had these coyotes going crazy as the kids were writing their poetry. So at poetry night, at poetry under the bridge, there was sharing stuff about the coyotes and all that excitement. But it was, yeah, yeah I think that it has changed the school in a really positive way. And as teachers, we've been talking about how it's changed us and our view of teaching and how to teach outdoors and how we would even bring some of these experiences indoors. How, you know, sometimes just shifting things is good and, and constantly being aware. And, and these teachers are seasoned and they're good and they've always been that, but I think you're even more on top of it when it's you're outside and kids are cold and you realize, okay, I'm losing this group right out here. We gotta, we, we gotta shift this up and, and change the game to keep everybody happy and laughing and involved and engaged in, in, in what we're doing, whatever, the, whatever it is we're doing at that particular time. Well, that's awesome. It's been fun. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, I hear it in your voice. I hear your, your enthusiasm for it and your... Um, yeah, just your your excitement about making, you know, being part of making this thing possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I'll tell you, oh, last week was amazing. I, I, I went up to the car, a couple of the kids wanted to play badminton. It was raining. And then, so we pull out three different badminton nets and there's 12 kids playing badminton in the pouring rain. And I was just like, and I just sat there and I was looking at out at the park and there's nobody else in the park except for these kids playing badminton and it's getting muddy and they're falling and they're laughing and I'm just like wow this is this is actually a really cool moment so we've done uh, and, and a lot of those little games that we never do we play badminton we do croquet we got you know kids trying to see how long they could keep the pickleball up in the air and, and inventing games and inventing and building the fourth graders. My gosh, they build these forts all through the park that are amazing out of sticks and leaves. And there's all kinds of different secret entrances and this and that. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, as we, as we come to a close, I, I wonder, I, I wonder if there's anything I, I didn't ask you about that that I I could have or that you want to share. Um, I, I would say that the only thing is I, I think it was a big risk for parents too, you know, to say, wow, I'm gonna take my kid and just drop him at the park every day and then pick him up, rain or shine. And um that has been really amazing how the parents have rallied and how many of them have told me, you know, I didn't really think I, like, I was going to like this. I really didn't think I was going to like it, especially when the weather turned, but this is really fun. This is actually what you guys are doing is some really cool stuff. And I was able to connect with kids that I haven't been able to connect with before. And the, the parents are saying that, right. Mm. And, and and that's, it's pretty great. I really, I like that aspect of our school is that there are parents involved. And I realize that there is a privilege with that as well, but there is also a real beauty to um, knowing, having the opportunity to know all these different kids and really seeing the different styles and what makes them tick and what makes them go and trying to understand it. and. Because you, I think as a parent, so often you see childhood through your kid's eyes and that most kids are like your kid is what you think. But all of a sudden you're there and the kids are totally different and they all bring their own spirit and their own energy and their own interests and their own quirks. And, um, and when you really get to know that and see them and understand that on a deep level and understand who they are, it's be pretty magical and a lot of parents have commented on that and I, I've appreciated that 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 yeah that that's helped that as well 
it's put it's put put the, put them in touch in a in a in a more solid way. Right. Yeah. 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 And I've enjoyed this, Chris. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being um, being game to to chat about this. I, I mean, I think that you know it's such. Um, there's so much going on right now. I, every time I, I, you know, try to summarize any of my thoughts about this moment, I, I, I can only leave out, you know, I leave out so much, you know, there's this underlying tragedy of the U S's response to, to COVID and all the people oh. that have gotten sick and, and died and, oh, and, man. and it's so hard to not acknowledge that. And at the same time, you know, it's, we, we, we don't have, we don't have a choice in some ways. Like we just, we, we, we have to show up and keep living our lives. And I think that your story and what you've shared today and the story of the school is so interesting from the perspective of um, just really the, 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 the power to be able to adapt in a way that is, um, you know, very, very different in, and, and the power to be able to, to change and learn and, and change your practices and change what you're doing in a way that, again, goes back to supporting that core mission of, of helping these kids have a childhood and helping them feel connected to each other. And I think that's, that's really incredible. And I'm, I'm honored to have you share that story with me today. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. To stay in the loop about new episodes and to be eligible for my periodic book bundle giveaways, sign up for the breakdown newsletter at chrisclearfield.com slash giveaway. So what's this giveaway? Every few months, I bundle together three or four influential books, often written or recommended by guests from the show, and I give them away to a few lucky listeners. I'll include a signed copy of Meltdown, and because I'm friends with many of my fellow authors, I try to get their books signed as well. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. Go to chrisclearfield.com slash giveaway to get on the list. Finally, join your fellow listeners. Subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. And if you love the show, give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Even one extra review helps us get an edge on the algorithm so more people can find us. And before we roll the credits, remember, if you're a business owner ready to transform your business and your life, find out more about my approach to coaching and sign up for a free intro session at chrisclearfield.com slash make the leap. That's all one word, make the leap. The Breakdown with Chris Clearfield is a team effort. The inimitable Rain Avant is our assistant producer and makes everything run smoothly. Gabe Turner and Claire Skinner help make the amazing content here and on my newsletter available at chrisclearfield.com slash the breakdown. Laura Stack is our editor and our theme was composed by the creative team at Spiky Blimp. Thanks so much for listening and be well until our next breakdown.